if someone were to ask you the question, how powerful is God? What would you say? How would you answer it? Maybe you'd say something like, he's the most powerful being there is. No, no one is more powerful than him. Nothing is more powerful than him. He is the most powerful. Something like that. And you'd be right to say that. I mean, that's true. But we can do better than that in answering that question. We can answer that question more fully. All over God's word, he tells us exactly how powerful he is, exactly what he is capable of doing, and what he continues to do over and over every single day. He tells us what he does in his power, in his word. I want you to open your Bibles one more time to Psalm 139. We're going to read verses 13 through 16. God is omnipotent. He has all the power. All the power belongs to God. He tells us in his word exactly how powerful he is. He doesn't leave us guessing. We don't have to wonder, hey, I I wonder how powerful God is. He must be pretty powerful. I wonder how. We, We don't have to guess. He tells us exactly what he does in his mighty power. He tells us how he carries it out, how great his power really is. So we can, we can do much better than simply saying that God is the most powerful. And I think for Christians, for those who have trusted in Christ for salvation, I think that it's impossible. It, it should be impossible for Christians to meditate on the power of God and not be left in awe of him his power. And that's King David's response in Psalm 139. He's first reflected on God's omniscience, then his omnipresence, and now his omnipotence, his his power. And specifically, what David focuses on is is God's power in creating him, right? It's been personal all along through this entire psalm, God's attributes. He's, He's been looking inward and saying, this is personal to me, that God is this way that he has this attributes, he's saying specifically, God is so powerful to create me. He formed me. So Psalm 139, 13 through 16, and we're also we're going to be all over the place tonight in Scripture. But that's where we're going to start. Starting in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. We need to trust God because of how powerful he is. We need to have confidence in him because of his power. So here's point number one. I want you to be in awe of God's matchless power. His power is matchless. None can match him. He alone is omnipotent. He alone possesses all the power. 
I'm saying all the power there is, all the power that there exists across the universe, it belongs to God. It belongs to God Almighty. Everyone and everything gets its power from God. So you might say, well, I have power. I'm kind of strong. I can do things. I'm, I have a little bit of might in myself only because God is giving it to you. It's on loan. It's God's power. And you have it. God's power can never be resisted. That's how powerful he is. Everything God does, he does effortlessly. God never struggles to do anything. There's nothing too hard for God. God's power is so great that he never loses any strength. His power never goes down. When God rested on the seventh day, it wasn't because he was sleepy. It wasn't because he was tired from all the work that he had done and he needed to get rest so that he could get his power and get his strength back. It's not why he rested. He was teaching us about rest through his own rest. But he wasn't tired. He didn't lose any power. And he always remains omnipotent. He never gains any more power because it's not possible, because he has it all. And he never loses any power. His power is always unchanged. His power is unlimited. And the very name of God in Scripture points to his power, his unlimited power. In Genesis 1.1, opening verse of the Bible, the first time God is mentioned in, the, in his word, he is called Elohim. Elohim. El means strong one. And ohim, that's a suffix. So it's, it's the, the last part of a word to show that it's plural. So not saying that God is plural, right? This is called a majestic plural, right? So it's showing that God alone is almighty. It's communicating that God is the one who is almighty. He is not just a strong one, but he is the strong one. The strongest one. He is almighty. He's abundant in power. He has the power to do anything. He has the power to accomplish his will, and his will is going to be accomplished. And then a little bit after Genesis 1 and chapter 17, God calls himself El Shaddai. El meaning strong one, again. This one literally means almighty God. Shaddai means something like mountain. So this name for God, it depicts him as the almighty one. Up, up on the mountaintops, over all of creation, above everything, he's the most powerful. He alone is the almighty one. And then in Genesis 28.3, Isaac says the same thing. He calls God El Shaddai, the Almighty One. And in Genesis 35, verse 11, God tells Jacob, he says, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. All over the Bible, in verse after verse, God is described as the one with all strength. Not just very strong, not just stronger than others, with all strength. Job 12, 16, with him is strength. 
Matthew 26, 64. It says, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power. Capital P. The right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. God the Father here is referred to as power. He is so powerful that he's actually identified in Scripture as power. In Revelation 4, 8. What is it that the angels are proclaiming in the presence of God for all eternity? What are they saying? They are saying over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, what? Almighty. God is almighty. God's power is truly matchless. None can match his power. No one can come even close to the power that God has. And this is, it's important to understand that that. Satan is not omnipotent. In fact, God does not share any of his attributes with Satan. Satan might be the great adversary, but he does not pose any real threat to God. Sometimes we give too much power to Satan. We can credit him with too much. But he's not all-knowing. He's not ever-present. He's not all-powerful. You're familiar with the story of Job, Job chapter 1. Satan approaches God. And he said that he had been going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. So he's in the presence of God. It's kind of confusing, but he's there. And he says, I've been down on the earth. That's what I've been doing. I'm not there anymore. I'm right here right now. Right? So he can't be in two places at once. He's not omnipresent. God said to Satan concerning Job, he says, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. Satan is not omnipotent. He could only do exactly what God said he was going to allow him to do. It's, it's not that in this scenario, Satan is, uh, is, is exercising obedience to God. It's not like he said, oh, okay, God, you said this, I'll obey. It's, that's, not, that's not the case at all. He can't touch Job here because God is not allowing it. And then Satan comes back to God, right? And he says, oh, well, it's because I didn't touch him. That's why he didn't curse you. That's why he didn't, he didn't walk away from you. And God says, okay, behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. And he couldn't kill him. It's not, again, it's not that he just chose to obey God. He couldn't do it. Because God held the power. And Satan could only do what God was allowing him to do. Look, you just got to be careful not to ascribe too much power to Satan. Satan or anyone or anything else, because God is matchless and all of his attributes and everything that he is, he's, he's the matchless one. So when you think about your life and, and sin and temptation and, and, and trials and all these things, like you don't, don't be so quick to, to just think, Satan, like, he's too powerful for me. Don't ever think anything like that because he, it's, it's, not, it's not the case. God is the matchless one. Even Satan's power is on loan from God. He has to operate within the boundaries set by God. You've got no reason to fear Satan. 
Look, tonight, I think it's obvious, but I want you to be in awe of God's power. So this is what this whole series has been. I just want, I want you to be in awe of God because of who he is. Not because of what you get from him, but because of, simply because of who he is. I want you to be in awe of him and worship him because of who he is. God's power can be seen in many different ways. Every single day, we are surrounded by this grand display of God's power. We should be in awe of it. So the first thing I want you to do tonight, these are subpoints. I usually don't do subpoints, but here we go. 1A. I want you to see God's creating power. I want you to see his creating power. Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God's matchless power is put on display in the opening sentence of his word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created what we call ex nihilo, out of nothing. He spoke the universe into existence from nothing. Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He spoke, the breath coming from his lungs, from his mouth, that's what created. That's how powerful he is. All he had to do is speak, and creation came into existence. Psalm 89, 11, and 12, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you created them. Isaiah 48, 13, God says, My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. God lifted his right arm, and the heavens were made. Jeremiah 32, 17, It is you, who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. In creation, there, there were no pre-existing materials. It wasn't like, you know, God took some things that were already here and was like, oh, I can use this. This will help me. This will help me make these things. I have this great idea. I need help to get there. Nothing like that. He spoke it into existence from nothing. There was nothing here, and God created everything by speaking, and it wasn't difficult. He didn't have a hard time creating the universe and everything in it. It wasn't hard for him. He did it with ease. He did it effortlessly in six days. I've been, I've been really excited to talk about this attribute in particular here given everything we've been seeing over the past two days. I mean, just think about all the incredible things that you've seen. All the mountains, the waterfalls, the trees. Just, just think about God's creation that you were able to just behold the past couple days and, just, and, just, and think about how awesome it is. And, and I hope that when you were looking at these things, that at some point it moved you to worship. I hope that you took time to look at everything and to think, wow, God, you are so awesome. You made this. You spoke, and this was created. You thought it through. <laughs> you, you did this, God. I hope that you weren't just going through the day 
not thinking that. He stretched out his right arm. And what you saw today was formed. He, he made it. He created it. I, I've never felt so small as I felt today. I mean, on the East Coast, we have mountains, but it's nothing like what's out here. I mean, it's incredible. It's the first time I'd seen anything like it. Um, everybody kept saying, just wait till, you, wait till you go out the tunnel. Just wait until you hit the light in the tunnel. And I'm like, guys, as soon as we got out there, I was like, <laughs> this is crazy. You know, and we drove down the valley, and we're looking up at all the mountain, and I'm just thinking, like, I'm so small. God, you created this. You spoke. God's powerful. He, he created that. It's not just what we saw today. It's this entire universe. This entire universe. Think about how vast the universe is. He, he created all of that too. Here's what scientists say. All right. Now, obviously, take this with a grain of salt. It's science. But here's what they say. They say, they say it would take 500 billion years to travel the whole universe, uh, traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. 500 billion years to get from whatever they're measuring. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't know where the end is, but they're, 500 billion years, it's crazy, and God created all of it. The diameter of the sun, anybody know this? 864, yep, I said that right, 864,000 miles. That's the diameter. It can hold a million earths. A million, a million of what, we're on, can fit inside the sun. There's a star they found, I don't remember what it's called, a hundred million miles in diameter. That's, that's larger than the Earth's orbit around the sun. One star. He created all the stars in the heavens all the other galaxies out there, all the other planets, every, everything, when you look in the night sky, everything that you can even imagine that's out there, how big it is, how vast it is. He created that in his power, and it was easy. It was easy for God. That's how powerful he is. He thought it through. He created them all. It's not, it's not random. It's not random either. He knew exactly what he was doing when he did it. He, he thought it through. He, he, every star is placed exactly where he wants it to be. Every mountain is exactly where he wanted it to be. Everything about creation is exactly how he wanted it to be. And again, he did it with ease. God has all the stars named. It's crazy to think about. He has them all named. He created them. He gave them a name. He put them there. It was easy. We're never, like, we're never going to really know what's out there. I think, like, that's, I think we can all agree. There's, we're never going to really know what's out there. But, I mean, that should just make us even, even more filled with awe. Like, God's creation is so big that we, like, we're so small, we're never really going to know. But we can know that God knows it all, that he's present there. That he created all of it. So, 
God created. What's also amazing about creation and his power is he's also sustaining. He's creator and sustainer. His power is sustaining everything that you see. Everything that we've been seeing. Every time you look up into the night sky, he sustains it in his power. Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Talking about Christ. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. And it's easy for him. He can do this without lifting a finger. So powerful he is. Colossians 1.17, in him all things hold together. Everything is held together by his sustaining hand. Isaiah 40, 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. There's the reference, by the way. (laughs) Isaiah 40, 26. Calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Christ himself sustains the earth on its axis, sustains it on its rotation around the orbit, around the sun. He sustains gravity, physics, all these other things that we can just think about. He is sustaining it all. He created it, and he sustains it. The power of God is truly incomprehensible. We can't begin to wrap our minds around how powerful God is. Did you guys get to look through Leo's telescope last night? Really cool. Here's some, here's some cool verses, I think, in light of looking through the telescope. Job 38, 31 and 32. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? Or can you guide the bear with its children? What's he talking about, Leo? What's he talking about? Constellations. Pleiades is a star cluster that's bound together by gravity. He's, he's fact-checking me. He's like, okay, I think he's right. It's a star cluster. In this cluster of stars, it's bound together by gravity. That means that it won't separate. It will not separate. The way gravity is, it's, it's sticking together. So God says to Job, are you the one, Job? Are you the one that holds that star cluster together? He's not, because God is the one doing that. He talks about Orion, specifically Orion's belt. He says, Job, do, do you keep Orion's belt on him? Right? Or, or can, can you loose the cords of Orion? He's talking about the belt. He says, do, are you the one who keeps it there? Can you loosen the belt of Orion? Can you do that, Job? No, Job can't. God can. He created it, and he sustains it. Maseroth, another constellation maybe. There's debate there. The bear. This, this is awesome. This is super cool, all right? Last night, 
when we were looking at the stars, I said, hey, Leo, what is that really bright orange-looking star? You remember what it was? It was. That's the star. That's the bear. That's, that's literally the star that we're talking about in this verse. Right? So I'm like, hey, hey, Leo, can I, can I look at that star? Can you show me that? I want to see it. And he, and he zooms in, and I'm looking at it, and then I'm reading this verse, and I'm like, wait, that's the star. <laughs> it's crazy, right? One, one, of, one of the five brightest stars in the night sky, it's orange-colored, giant star, and it's 36.7 light years from the earth. And God is saying to Job, Job, are, are you the one who guides that star in the night sky? Are you the one doing that? And of course the answer is no. God. God is the sustainer. He created. He sustains. It's part of what makes God's power so matchless, so awe-inspiring. It's the fact that he's creator and he is sustainer. Here's next, next point. I want you to trust God's controlling power. I want you to trust his controlling power. God controls everything in his sovereignty. You should trust him. Now, we already covered this a lot when we were talking about God's sovereignty a few weeks ago. But, of course, it's important to point out again. He controls everything. It's seen throughout scripture. Ezra 1.1 the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout his kingdom. Right? So God made Cyrus do something. Cyrus, an unbeliever, by the way. And God says, I made him do it. He listens to me. He follows my direction. Even unbelievers yield to the power of God. Daniel 2.21, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. The time, the seasons controlled by God. The kings that are put to power and taken away, that's controlled by God. John 19:11, Jesus, he said, "You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above." God raises up rulers he puts them in power. He puts them on their thrones. He controls the time. He controls the season. He controls everything. I mean, you think of all the mighty world leaders, all, all of the most, most mighty world, I mean, even, even the president of the United States. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, okay, that it's difficult for the president to not let the power go to his head, right? Like, all the power, like how, how powerful the United States is. But he only has that power because God placed him there. Like, even that power is God's power on loan to the president, and he put him there in his sovereign control. It's all happening according to God's plan. God always knows what he's doing. He will never lose control. Talked about that a little bit last night. But he, he will never lose control and one of the reasons why is because no one is strong enough to take it from him. Because he is omnipotent. No one can challenge him. Nothing can challenge him. He will never lose control. Because of his power. 
This is even looking back at Job. God was in control over the whole situation, right? He allowed Satan to do what he did for the good of Job. I know it's hard to understand sometimes because suffering, it's hard to understand. But whatever trial God allows, or not just allows, but sometimes as seen here, he sends it your way. Whatever he's doing, he's doing for a good purpose. 1 Peter 1.6 In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why does it say if necessary? If necessary to go through trials? It means that when you go through trials, it's because God deemed it necessary. For some reason. He knows the reason why. But nothing can touch you, nothing can harm you outside of what God allows. So when you go through a trial, again, God has not lost control. It was deemed necessary. He is allowing it. He's never lost control. You can trust God at all times. You should trust him at all times because of his controlling power. And because God is controlling all things, he will always be victorious. He will always have the victory. In every scenario, in every situation, God has the victory. When opposition rises, God always wins. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Job 42, 2. I know that you can do all things and that no purposes of yours can be thwarted. All of God's purposes come to pass because of his control, because of his power. And he says in Isaiah 43, 13, there is none who can deliver from my hand. Whatever God's hand sets forward to do is done because of his power, because of his control. And one of the most amazing things about God is that one of, his, one of his highest goals, one of God's highest goals, is the good of those who love him. It's one of his highest goals. If you love him, if you're one of his children, he wants good for you. So no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is happening, trust him. He's not lying, and he doesn't lie, he can't lie. So just trust him. Trust in his controlling power. God is strong in his power, and, and he actually strengthens his children. His power strengthens his children. Here's the next point. Rely on God's strengthening power. God is strong. He has all the power, and in his kindness... He strengthens those who trust in him. In John 15, he says, For apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, the only reason why you have any strength at all is because God gave it to you. Only reason why you could wake up this morning, only reason why you woke up and you took that breath and you stood up and you stretched and you had the, the strength to even do that is because God gave it to you today. 
You can walk and talk and move around because of the strength that God gives you. It's easy to take that for granted. It's easy to wake up and move throughout life and never think about this. But he gives you strength, and and not, not just that, but he gives strength to you when you feel like you just can't do it anymore. I'm sure many of you have come to the point in life, in trials, in suffering, in hardship, where you think to yourself, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I just can't do it. And it's, it's in that moment we have to remember to rely on the strength of God. Not your own. Relying on God's strength. 2 Corinthians 2. It's very familiar. This is what... Paul said, after he pleaded with God to take this thing away from him that was causing him pain, he said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, hardship, persecutions, And calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And he's not talking about his own strength. He's talking about the strength that God gives when he's at his lowest, when he feels like he can't go on anymore. He's saying, God gives me strength. Paul understood that he had to rely completely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Gotta rely on God's power. Because his power is sufficient for you always. Philippians 4.13. Very familiar passage again. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's unfortunate that this has become America's favorite verse when it comes to sports and things. It's slapped on the back of a t-shirt and on kids' clothing and popular sports athletes. Put it on their shoes. (laughs) Taking it out of context. This verse is Paul's confession that he can go through the lowest of the lows. He can go through the worst time. He can be in prison. He can be like so close to death. He he can be right there. But he can be content because of God's strength. He can go through the lowest of the lows. But he knows that when he's relying on the strength of God, he can keep going. And it takes some humility to admit you can't go through life on your own. Sometimes we don't want to admit that. We, we want to we power through. We just want to do it on our own. You can't. You won't do it. But the point is, Christians, you don't, you don't need to do that. You don't have to think that way. Second Corinthians 1, starting in verse 8 through 10, it says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. So Paul, that was Paul's situation. So utterly burdened beyond whose strength? Our strength, beyond his own strength 
that we despaired of life itself. He got to the point where he said, I want to die. I don't want to be here anymore. This is too much. This is too hard. He says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He thought he was going to die. He wanted to die. He wanted to go. It was too much. It was unbearable. But he says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Even in that, even in that lowest of the low, in that trial, he can look back and he can say, oh, here's why God did it. It was for my good. It was to help me. He was helping, he was teaching me a lesson. He was helping me. He said, so that I know to, to not rely on myself anymore. But to just go ahead and say, God, I want to rely on you and your power and your strength. It's not me. And then verse 10, he says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. That's a perfect picture of relying on the power of God. On the strength of God. Not yourself anymore. A good way to check and see if you're relying on your own strength or on the strength of God is to examine your prayer life. Just take a second and examine your prayer life. How, how are you praying? How often are you praying? Because if, if God is truly omnipotent, if God has all the power, and we believe that, and we're convinced of that, shouldn't we be so much more likely and eager just to take all of our requests to him? You and I have the opportunity to boldly approach God on his throne and to make our requests known to him. The the God that we are talking about, the God who created and sustains, the God who gives us his own strength. Every day, every second of every day, we have the opportunity to boldly approach him and to pray. Are you praying? Are you praying for yourself? Are you you praying for others? Is there a situation that you're in? And it's it's hard, but you're not praying about it? You need to pray. You need to go before God. If you really believe, if we really believe he is omnipotent, our, our prayer lives should reflect it. So God's power is creating, it's controlling, it's strengthening. And the last one we're going to cover is his power is saving. That's the last point. Rejoice in God's saving power. God is the only one powerful enough to save sinners from his wrath. There's no other way to salvation. Nothing, no one else is strong enough. He alone is mighty to save. Jesus He said this in Matthew 19 concerning salvation. He said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So look, if you've trusted in Christ for salvation, in thinking about his power, in thinking about his omnipotence, I want you to rejoice in his saving power. 
reflect on the fact that God has saved you. There's nothing you could do about it. There was no, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God. But he rescued you. And look, if you haven't trusted in Christ, of course, it's my prayer that tonight you would do that so that you can rejoice in the saving power of God with the rest of us. So this weekend has been all about God. It's been, it's been all about him and his attributes. And remember, only God has these attributes. He alone is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. And only God is worthy of the worship that these attributes bring to him. So let's be in awe of God because of who he is. Let's pray. God, when we think and reflect on who you are and your strength and in your power, God, we have nothing to say because of our awe, because of how awesome you are. God, you alone have all the power. Help us to not just know the fact, not just repeat the phrase, but to understand and to live like that is the truth. God, help us to be the people who rely on your power and your strength, and, and we see your power every day. God, let us not take it for granted. Let us be changed and moved to worship you all the more because of your power. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.